Well, as you, uh, if you've been here, you know we're in a series this month. We, we uh, started off this month with our Easter Sunday, and we talked about Jesus. That's a good thing to do on Easter. And uh, we thought, well, what would be better than continuing the month of April and talk about Jesus and the light that he brings? So we're doing a series called Jesus, the, the Light That Leads to Life. And uh, this week, we're actually going to be out of, I'm going to be preaching out of Matthew 5, out of the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, I'm going to read my text verse, if you would stand with me, please. As we uh, read God's word together, out of Matthew 5 and verse 14, these are the words of Jesus. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, everyone say in the same way. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Beautiful verse. Last week, I was talking to you about uh, his light in us and how he leads us out of darkness as we follow him. Well, today we're going to be talking about his light through us. The title of my message is His Light Through Me. Would you pray with me today? Father, we love you. We thank you for this wonderful time we have together, Lord. For every person under the sound of my voice today, God, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that your word would pierce our hearts today. We thank you that it is your word that transforms us. It's not my words. It's no one else's words. It is your word. So we give ourselves to your word today. We pray that our hearts would be good soil, that this word would produce fruit in all of our lives for your glory and for our good. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Before you're seated, point to someone and say, you're the light of the world. All right. Point to yourself and say it too. (laughs) Uh, Well, how many of you know uh, there's a lot of darkness in the world? feels like it's uh, getting a little darker. Um, Maybe sometimes it feels like more and more it's becoming evident that more and more people are rejecting faith in Jesus alone. And that even Christianity, we would say, is maybe uh, becoming less mainstream in our society, right? I'm not here to uh, talk doom and gloom, and I don't mean to be that way, and I'm not going to be that way, but I I think it's important for us that we understand what we're up against in our world, in our own life. I I would hope that that's at least part of the reason that you're here today. Why we come to church is to get understanding and to be more effective, that the, the, the Spirit of God will be more effective in our life for us, but also that we'd be more effective for the kingdom of God, to help expand and to advance his kingdom, pushing out the darkness. And so that's why we're here today. But obviously there's a lot of spiritual darkness in our world. We live in a world where darkness, even though Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave, he defeated darkness, it was not eradicated, as we talked about last week. So it's still very evident in the earth. And it is nothing new. We, we can feel like, oh, it's getting worse, it's getting worse. And we see in society in some ways that it feels like, you know, they labeled our society now as a post-Christian society, which makes us feel like, oh, it's getting worse. And, but you know what? Spiritual darkness is nothing new. In fact, the Apostle Paul talked about it very clearly in Ephesians 6, his letter to the church in Ephesus. And we, we talk about this verse all the time, where he said, our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. So he's saying this world is already dark and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So even the Bible tells us that there's a prevalent darkness in the world that cannot be denied. And so if there's darkness, who should we blame? Do we blame the politicians or Hollywood or big corporations? That's low-hanging fruit, right? We We can blame them all day. It's easy to blame them. There's plenty of blame to go around. Do we blame the devil? I think the devil definitely gets some of the blame because that verse I read tells us that his powers, his, his evil forces are infiltrating this world and making it dark. There's plenty to blame or there's plenty of evidence that we can blame the enemy for a lot of the darkness in the world. In fact, his mission, the enemy's mission is to keep people far from God, to keep them in the dark. You know, the mission of our church here is... You know, we write it out, we make the, the mission and the vision clear so we can understand it, 
But the mission of this church is to reach people far from God. The enemy's mission is to keep those people as far away from God as he can. That's his desire, is to keep people in the dark. In fact, the Apostle Paul also said in his second letter to the church in Corinth, in chapter 4, he says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of Christ, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So there is no question that he is blinding people. He is putting them in the dark, and he's doing everything he can to keep people out of the light that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So there's blame for him. But my text verse today would suggest that there's plenty of blame on the church too. Because he tells us that we are the light. So what purpose is there for light? Light is about pushing out darkness. That is the purpose of light. And so if we are the light and there is darkness, and we would say darkness is growing and it's, it's prevalent in the world, and it's, it seems to be expanding, then we don't have to look any further than right here to understand why the darkness is flourishing in our world today. Because Jesus said very clearly that we are the light of the world. We have been commissioned to be light in this dark world. And if there is darkness, darkness can only exist when there is an absence of light. It's the only way it can exist. Now, I I know today I'm coming out swinging a little bit, and I don't mean to beat us up, but we also got to speak truth. We got to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I hope and I think that's why you're here today, too. Because we want to grow in our knowledge and our understanding and our relationship with Jesus and being that light. Now, based on this verse, my text verse today, Jesus is telling us very clearly that we are to be light. That we are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And the text verse tells us that people will see our good deeds, a.k.a. Jesus in us, the light of Jesus in us. They will see our good deeds and they will praise our Father in heaven. So it's our good deeds, it's our, it's the light in us that is causing people to come out of the darkness, see the light of who Jesus is and praise our Father in heaven. It's pretty simple, actually. It's it's pretty easy to actually understand. And you can make a large argument, or an argument that a large part of the reason the world is getting darker is because of our lack of light our lack of doing what we have been empowered and commissioned to do in the light of who Jesus made us to be. Why else would Jesus have made us light? Why would he say, you are the light of the world? Why would he make us light? The purpose of light is to push out darkness. The the purpose of us having light, of us being the light and being brought out of the darkness isn't just so that we can brag about the fact that we're not in darkness anymore. We can, we do boast about what Jesus has done in our life. That's a That's a good thing. That's testifying of his goodness in our life. But it's not just for us. It's not like if you were to buy a car and your favorite sports car and you drove over to your friend's house to let him get jealous of your car and show it to him and he could look at it, but he can't have it because it's yours. The light we get is meant to be shared. It's meant to be shown all over in the lives of the people that God would put in our life. You know, we sang today that we have victory in our worship. So, oh, Christ be praised. I have victory. Well, let me tell you something. In sports, victory is for you and for your team. In the faith, victory is for you and for everybody that you can come in contact with. God forbid that we are enjoying the victory that we have been given by Jesus and we're not doing anything to share it with others. God forbid. God forbid that we would do that. But we can get kind of accustomed to that, can't we? Where we can enjoy it for ourselves, but we kind of become these incognito Christians, the church has become incognito in a lot of ways and not shining the light, not being the light that God has called us to be. You know, this verse, my text verse is is cute, and uh, we've written children's songs about it, you know, that song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I got through it without my voice cracking. What do you know? We sing that song, you know, hide it under a bushel. No. No. I'm going to let it shine. You know, it's fun. It's, it's even neat to think about, like, oh, I'm the light. You know, when you're in Sunday school as a kid, you had a little light that you'd hold as you sang it, and, and it was really fun, and it was neat to think that Jesus is the light that's in me, and it's, it's cute. But when you really look at this, if you get past just a cursory reading of this verse, and you look at it a little deeper, you realize this is actually a pretty deep verse. Because Jesus is telling us we're the light, but we also know that there's a lot of darkness. 
So that tells me that we are in a war, that we are in a battle against darkness. Remember I said last week when God brought light into the world, he didn't eradicate darkness, he separated it. And he gave us victory over that darkness, but it's still there. And there's still a battle there. There's still a war there. And so us being the light of the world is saying, you, you got to fight on your hands. And what he's telling us is that we are the first line of defense against this darkness. Amen. That we are the ones that Jesus has chosen to carry this light into the darkness. We're not meant to seclude ourselves with this light and just ignore the darkness. We're meant to take it into the darkness. We're meant to be uh, intentional we're meant to be moving forward with this light, not just hoping the darkness doesn't overcome or overtake this light in our life. And you might think, well, man, that's a big responsibility. I didn't really sign up for that. I didn't really want to be that. I just want to kind of mind my own business. Well, actually, if you are a follower of Jesus, you did sign up for it. Now, if nobody told you that, then I'm sorry, but I'm here to tell you today, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you would call yourself a Christian, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. He's not talking to just those few disciples sitting there. That's written in the word of God for each and every one of us, that we are meant to be the light of the world, and we have to take that responsibility on for ourselves and be what he has called us to be. And I want to take my text verse, and I want to kind of break it down and look at it a little bit more uh, intentionally in the rest of my message today. And first of all, he says that we are light. He says, you are light are the light of the world. Now, this can seem kind of contradictory because last week, my text was out of John 8 where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Now, he's saying you are the light of the world. Now, we know that the Bible does not contradict itself. The Bible is the inerrant, inspired word of God. If we think it's contradicting itself, the issue is with us, not the Bible. So he's not contradicting himself. What he's saying here is there's a progression. Jesus saying that when he was in the world, he was the light of the world. In fact, he alludes to that in John 9 and verse 5, because he says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So he says specifically, while I'm in the world. And then what he's telling us now in my text for today out of Matthew 5, he's actually speaking somewhat prophetically. He's saying, now you are the light of the world, that I am here now and I'm, gonna, I'm the light, but when I leave... You're going to be the light because he, Jesus even said, it's better for you if I go away. It's better for you if I leave because him here, Jesus, as amazing as he was, and he was God incarnate, he was also fully man. So he was a man walking the earth. And what he could only do as a person on the earth, he said, it's better for you if I go away because if I go away, I'm going to send my spirit. And where does his spirit dwell? In us. And it can spread. There's no limit to his spirit. So he says, it's better for you if I go away because then I'm going to send my spirit. It's going to be in all of you and you're going to be the light. You're going to have the light in you and you're going to be able to do what I did. And you're going to be able to shine the light in the darkness and defeat the darkness that is in this world. Jesus was very clear that we are to be the light now. The Holy Spirit dwells in us and is that light in us. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 3 and 16, he says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? God's spirit, his light lives in you. That's who you are if you are a follower of Jesus. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit living in you, empowering you to live your life in such a way that what you were helpless against the darkness before, now you have the light so the darkness is helpless against you with Jesus in you. He also goes on to say, in Ephesians 5, 18, this is also Paul, he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. All of us, be filled with the Spirit. We cannot, we, we need to live our lives dedicated, submitted to the Holy Spirit's empowering in us, living in us and through us in our life. That, that is the only way that we can be the light of this world. Not only do you follow his light, but now that light resides in you. A couple verses earlier, before my text in Matthew 5, he talks about us being the salt of the earth, which is great too, because salt is meant to preserve. It's meant to keep things from decaying, right? That's what salt does. And so he's saying, you know, you're meant to be people that will help keep the erosion of society from happening. You're going to be the salt that's going to keep the erosion. Well, then he goes, almost, it's, it feels like he went a step further next because then he says you're the light of the world. So not only are you the salt that's trying to keep the erosion from happening, you're actually the light that's going to go into it and you're going to bring the light and push out the darkness. 
So it's like, the, it's like a, a level above even being salt in some respects. It's really great how God calls us to those things in our life. He says um, that it, it, we, we have to understand, church, that the hope of the world is Jesus in us. He's the hope of the world. But you know what? Jesus is in heaven. So it's his spirit in us is the hope of this world. We have a responsibility. We don't get to claim this victory and just stand around and do this and talk about how awesome we are. We are the hope of the world. That's not heresy. That's not putting ourselves in the place of God. That's quoting the scripture. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. That light is the hope. And that's what we are. That's a big burden to bear though, isn't it? But praise God, if his spirit's in us, we're not doing it on our own anyway. It's not from us. You ever talk to someone about your faith? You started saying stuff you didn't even know you could say? You started remembering scripture you never thought you remembered? You didn't know where you read it? Because the Holy Spirit in us will give us the words to say if we will step out in faith, if we will trust him and walk in faith with him. He has put his spirit in us to be infectious to the world. So if the world is getting darker and thicker, the, th- the darkness is getting thicker and heavier, we don't have to look any further than right here. It means that we as the church are not doing what we have been commissioned to do. This is him showing us his heart. And he demands from us, and I'm, I am using the word demands, he demands from us that we do not keep our faith to ourselves. Yeah, that's right. To think that our faith is for our, just us is a lie yeah. from the pit of hell. He, he is saying, you are the light of the world. He didn't say, like, hey, guys, if you, if, if you get around to it, try to be the light. He says, you are the light of the world. And that he, is, you, he wants to use us to make a difference. When he was on the earth, he was the light. Now we're the light. There was the transfer of light. He took his light and he transferred it to us and said, here you go. Now you go and do what I did. And that's for each and every one of us that would call ourselves a follower of Jesus. It's just like the sun. You know, the sun... There's enough sun to go around for everybody. Everything and everyone that is exposed to the sun feels the effects of the sun, right? No matter what. You never go outside and think, oh, the sun's not as hot today. There must be a lot of people outside taking up the heat. Doesn't work that way. There's enough to go around, and there's enough of Jesus' light to go around. There's enough. It never dilutes. It never dilutes. The more we share it, actually, the stronger it gets. It's, it's the opposite of dilution. It's concentrate. Amen. Praise God. I just made that up on the spot. All right. Also from this text verse, we see that we are visible. We are visible. He says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So we have established that we are light. Now he's telling us we have to be visible. He's saying, you don't hide it under a bushel. He said it has to be on, put on a hill. It has to be put on a table so that it can give light to everyone in the room. See, the fact that we are light doesn't mean that we're automatically shining our light on the darkness. You know, it doesn't make sense to put a light in a drawer inside a cabinet, but you can. You can hide the light. He's saying, he's telling us his heart is that we're not meant to hide it. We're meant to be visible. This is the mission of the church that God has given us. Not this church, the church. For, and, and you are the church. That's the mission he's given us is that we would be light and that we would be visible light. Our faith, I want to say it again, our faith is not meant to be private. Yeah. It's never, you will not find it anywhere in scripture that says that your faith is just a private thing for you. Never will you find it. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Everything the Bible talks about about our faith is about shining it bright, about being a light about being salt, about going into the world. Jesus' last words before he ascended back into heaven, go into the world, share the gospel with everyone. Don't ever buy the lie that your faith is just supposed to be yours. You know, I get, I get dumbfounded sometimes of how many people I've heard say, that say they're Christians that say, yeah, my faith is very precious to me. It's a really important thing to me, but you know, it's just kind of my thing. It's, it's private to me. What I say to that, is if that's how you really feel, I don't think you know the same Jesus I do. Now, if you want to say, you know what, I know I'm supposed to share it, but I'm scared to death, that's one thing. But to say you actually feel theologically or practically speaking that it's just for me is completely anti-scriptural. 
It's completely against the word of God. We are meant to shine our light. When he says we're a city on a hill, you know, a city on a hill is not going to be private. It's, it's shining bright for everybody to see. You can't, if you want to be a private city hidden away where nobody sees you, you're not going to build it up on a hill. He says you are a city on a hill. You are meant to be public. You are meant to be sharing what you have. And we're not talking about beating people over the head with our faith. You know, the church has made that mistake in the past. And we've gotten away from that, praise God. But I think we've erred, now we're erring on the other side. The pendulum needs to swing back a little bit to where we're more bold about our faith, where we're more bold about sharing what God has done in our life and testifying of his goodness, not telling people they're sinners and they're going to hell, but just sharing the love of God that he's given us. The light that God gives us is not about beating people up. It's about sharing that beautiful thing that we've experienced with God and, and in giving people an opportunity to share it with us as well. It's too common for us as Christians to love last week's message, if you were here, which was about the fact that Jesus is our light and that if we follow him, we won't walk in darkness. We love that because that's about our victory. That's about us coming out of darkness and getting saved. We love that message. Tell me more, preacher. Let's hear it. I want to hear more about how great I am and how much Jesus loves me. It's beautiful. That's the foundation. That's the core of the gospel. But that's only the beginning. We want, to, we want to embrace that step, but we want to ignore the next step, which the next step is Jesus says, now you're the light. Now you take what I've given you, and you've got to go. You've got to let people know. You don't, there's no such thing as an incognito Christian. We don't need to be hiding out. We need to make our presence known in a good way that makes people want what we have, want to be part of what we're doing. But I think if we're honest... And we need to be honest today. I think if we're honest, we just don't want to put in the work. Because it takes a lot of work. It takes, it takes really stepping out in faith. A lot of us would say, you know what, I'm just not, I just, I just don't think I'm smart enough. I don't think I, I don't have enough knowledge of the Bible to really share my faith, which is ridiculous. Because you don't have to read your Bible to somebody to share your faith. You can testify what God's done in your life. But we can talk about, you know, I just don't have the time. I'm just too busy. It's just kind of just not my thing. Well, let me tell you today, it is your thing. Whether you choose to embrace it or not is one thing, but it is your thing. It is all of our thing. But what that means is if we're going to do that, it means we have to get out of our comfort zones. It means we have to uh, sacrifice. It means we have to live counterculturally in such a way that people will notice. Because, you know, the tendency now is to just kind of want to blend into culture. We don't agree with what they're doing, but we just kind of want to blend because we don't really want to ruffle any feathers. When in reality, if we're going to be light, we're going to ruffle the feathers in the dark. The dark doesn't, doesn't want the light sometimes. And to be that, we have to be willing to sacrifice. Because if we're not, if we're saying it's just not my thing, we're actually missing the heart of the gospel. Because that's the heart of the gospel. Jesus saves us so that we can take what we've got and give it to others. That is the God. Let's not just, there's two steps. Let's not just focus on the first step, but let's also make sure we're living out the commission that God has put in each one of our lives for his glory. We want to think, oh, someone else will do it. I just want to stay out of trouble and keep my nose clean. <laughs> Somebody else will do it. It's, a, it's easy to think that we can just push it off on someone else. Or it won't be fruitful. You know, I, if, if I'm really visible, you know, I know I'm supposed to be visible in my, in my faith, but it just won't be fruitful. Nobody wants to hear it anymore. Nobody wants to hear about my faith. What we've done is we've allowed the vocal minority to convince us that nobody wants to hear about our faith or that no one's ready to hear about Jesus or no one's really willing to, to have an understanding or let God's love into their heart. And let me tell you, if that's true, then God's a liar because Jesus said very clearly the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe. He's talking about the harvest of souls. He's saying all we're looking for is people to go out into the harvest. It's ripe. And we know God is not a liar, and he's truthful. He's telling the truth. Jesus said, I am truth. So either he's right or those, that vocal minority is right that's telling us no one wants to hear it. And we have to stop believing the lie that everybody just wants us to keep our faith to ourselves and not worry about anybody else. Because that's exactly what it is. It is a lie. There is a world out there, the darkness. Many in the darkness know they're in darkness, and they need the light, and they want the light. Now, there are some that are in the darkness that like the darkness. 
that want to stay in the darkness. Those are the ones trying to tell us, keep your faith, keep your Jesus to yourself. Don't push your Jesus on me. Because there are people that do love that. In fact, Jesus talks about it in, uh, in John 3, in verse 19. He says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved the darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. So there are those that love the darkness. But it's so important for us that we guard our hearts against allowing our hearts to become calloused and to become apathetic, to not care about people in our life that really need to be brought into the light because of those people. We have to guard that so closely. You know, I, I would tell you today, I think the two, two of the very biggest challenges in the Christian's life, in the faith life of a Christian, is apathy and narcissism. They're huge. It's a battle for all of us all the time. And I'm not talking about clinical narcissism. I'm talking about spiritual narcissism that we can struggle with. None of us are impervious to that. None of us are impervious to it. But I believe usually it starts with apathy. And the apathy comes because maybe you've been rejected. Maybe you've tried to be the light with someone and you poured your life into them. You've, you know, you've met them at their place of need. You've helped somebody financially. You, you helped them move. You made some sacrifices and you finally got the nerve to invite them to church. And they said, okay, they'll come. And you waited for them out in the lobby and they never showed. And they started ghosting you on the phone. And you, know, you just got tired of it. You feel like you've done so much. And without much fruit or much response. And so you start to just think, you know what? They don't care. You know, I mean, I mean, seriously, guys, we live in the United States. If you want to know Jesus, you can know him. There's a church right around the corner from you, no matter where you live, right? So we can just become very apathetic because of rejection or just because sometimes we just don't really, have never given ourselves to really trying to have a heart for people that aren't in the same place in life that we are. And when we become apathetic, what happens is our faith becomes incredibly narcissistic. Because we still have our faith, we don't have faith for other people in our life to really come to know Jesus, so our faith just becomes all about me. It's all about me. It's about what God can do for me. It's about how God saved me. It's about how God can heal me. It's how God protects me. It's how God provides for me. It's about how God does all these things for me. And my prayer life, my focus in my faith is all about me. And we just spend all of our time fixated on ourselves. And there's places out there that actually promote that, that your faith is about you and getting what you want from God. And we are not meant to be narcissistic. That is completely contrary to the word of God. Amen. Our faith, it is, about, it is about Jesus coming into our life. But from that moment, he says, I'm going to continue to work in you. But the victory is yours, but it's yours to share. There's no place, no place for narcissism in our faith. But we can get there so easily. None of us are immune to that. But I can tell you this. If you want to, make your, if you want to see someone with faith, a Christian that's miserable, almost always they're focused on themselves. Because self will make you miserable. Because it's not what we're designed for. You know, when, when the Holy Spirit invades your life and you get filled with the Spirit of God, okay, he changes your DNA. He changes who you are. He changes your, your focus. He changes your priorities in your life. So you're not the same person. It says the old is gone, the new has come. And the new is him in us. And the new is not meant to live just for us. So when we live for us in our faith, we're making ourselves miserable because we're doing contrary to what our DNA is trying to do. Because we're not designed to do that. So if you're miserable in your faith, I would bet you no money because that's not good. I bet you a cup of coffee that you are fixated on yourself. And that's not to say we don't have things we need to be concerned about. Of course, we've got to take care of ourselves. But there's a difference between taking care of yourself and, and asking God to help you in your life and being fixated on yourself where nothing else matters but me. God, just, just take care of me. And when you fix me and get everything right in my life, maybe I'll have a little left over to give out. It's not how it's done. That's not how it's designed. If he, waited, if he waited for us to be perfect before we could actually give out, no one would ever do anything for anyone because we are all flawed. We are all a work in progress. But he says, I want you to go and be my light to the world. And if we're not, if we allow this narcissism in our life and apathy, what it can do is it can lead us to having an us versus them mentality. 
And that is a very, very dangerous place to be. In fact, that is playing right into the enemy's hands. In fact, if you have a us versus them mentality, when you're talking about your Christian faith, you're saying, I'm a Christian, and you got those people over there. I'm not talking about the youth group. <laughs> those people over there, I won't point to anybody. And, and you have that mentality in your life, you're actually working for the enemy. Mm, they got real quiet. <laughs> you're working for the enemy. If you have a we versus them mentality, we are not meant to have this mentality of it's us against the world. It's not at all. It's us against the darkness. But guess what? We have a light that pierces the darkness. So we are meant, we're never meant to seclude ourselves and just say, you know what, we're just a church and we're just hoping to hang on, you know, and I know we see darkness is growing in the world and, you know, eventually the day's going to come where we're probably not going to be able to have church together. We're going to have to have church in homes because when you preach about sin, it's going to be called hate speech and, oh, everybody, they're, they're just horrible and, man, we just hope they don't, they don't get their, their way and, and have all this influence in our lives and pushing their way into the, the church. That's not how we should be thinking at all because all we're doing then is we're just trying to keep them away from us. We're never supposed to just try to keep them away. We're supposed to make an impact. We're supposed to influence society, not have them influencing us. And, but again, we're not doing it on our own. It's not like we got to muster up our strength and try to figure out how we're going to do it. We have this little guy called the Holy Spirit that's helping us out a lot if we will allow him to. We don't want to be like Jonah. Everybody knows the story of Jonah. Very short book in the Old Testament, four chapters. He was a prophet of God. God said, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to preach to them and tell them to repent because their wickedness is horrible. And God said, I don't want to judge them. I want to actually have mercy on them, so I want you to go preach to them. Well, the problem was Nineveh was, was the capital city in Assyria, and Assyria and the Hebrews were bitter enemies, hated each other, had many wars, many battles. They were a thorn in their flesh. Jonah did not like them, couldn't stand them. And so God's saying, go and preach to them, he said, mm -mm, I ain't doing it. And he ran from God. He actually got on a ship going the opposite way. And we do that too, don't we? God's calling us to step out of our comfort zone, to do something, maybe go above and beyond, even for somebody we don't like, and say, mm -mm, mm -mm, I ain't doing that. We go the other way. Now, in Jonah's situation, God got his attention. <laughs> Thank goodness he doesn't do that for us. Jonah had to live in the belly of a fish for three days. And then he eventually went to Nineveh and he did preach and God had mercy on them. But even in that, that book finishes with Jonah pouting because he wanted God to judge him. Let's never, ever have that heart that we would just want God to get him. Just get him, God. Just judge him. <laughs> never want to have that heart. Always, nobody is beyond the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Nobody. We need to pray that God would give us his heart for them. And I believe he's trying to get our attention today like he did Jonah. Because here's the deal. And this is my third and final point of this text verse. We are responsible. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. In the same way, let your light shine before men. If you get nothing else I said today, church, I want, to, I want you to know this. I came today to tell you that we should feel the weight of the responsibility of shining our light. We have a responsibility to shine our light in this world. And I'm not trying to, do that, not trying to motivate you out of guilt or to coerce you, but if you think that you can resist this and it not affect your life, you are fooling yourself because it is what you've been commissioned to do. It is what you are designed to do. And I know that it can be overwhelming to think about shifting our mindset and how we live our life. I know it can be overwhelming, but I'm telling you, when we, when we step out in faith, God meets us there. He meets us there and he helps us. I'm not talking about being an evangelist. I'm not talking about going into the ministry and being a preacher. Not everybody's called to do that. But we all have a story we can tell. We all have a story that we can tell. You have a story that can minister to somebody that I can't minister to because I don't have the same story. You know, I, I stand up here and I preach, and if you don't like my preaching, you leave. I, I lose influence with you, right? 
But you guys have influence with people in your life every day. And we have a story to tell. And we have influence. And we, have to, we are called to bear the weight of that responsibility in our life. Because faith is not just meant for you. Your faith is not just meant for you. I'm really trying to drive that home today because it is so important that we get this. And if we don't feel the need to bear the responsibility of carrying our light, we have missed the heart of the gospel. We've missed it. It will absolutely affect us in a negative way because we are not doing what we are called to do. We are called to use our light to draw people to a greater place of relationship with Jesus. That's why we're here. We've said it many times before. If it was just about getting saved, once we got saved, we'd go to heaven. If, everybody, if that's all it was, we just, you get saved, you're gone. That'd be weird. But otherwise, we're saved so that we can be a blessing, so that we can shine our light to others. And frankly, you know, this is one of the biggest reasons for having the church, the local church, the community that we have, is so that we can bear the weight, bear the responsibility together, and so we can encourage each other in that. So that we can go to somebody in our community here at the church and say, you know what, I got someone I work with. I really want to really talk to them about my faith in Jesus. And Oh, good. Well, let me pray for you. Let's pray together. We'll just pray for the next couple weeks together. And I'll, I'll keep lifting you up in prayer. The God will give you the words to say and give you the strength. And then next thing you know, you, you've got the nerve to go out and do it. And you say something and you share your, your story with someone and it impacts their life. And God knows what can happen from there. But that's why we're in this community together so that we can share our stories with others. And the question I would ask today is how does this, this verse from Jesus, the, of us being the light, being the city on the hill, how does that look in the local church in 2021? How does that look for us? Because if you're like me, I'm, I'm very pragmatic and I think, okay, that's great. What does that look like? Well, I can tell you, let me tell you first what it doesn't look like. What it doesn't look like is just coming to church on Sunday morning to get fed and that being the sum total of what you're doing in community. The church community is not just so that we can come in on a Sunday morning, get spiritual nourishment for the week, and hope we can make it through the week to get back here next week. It's, not, it's also not about just fulfilling an obligation that we have in our conscience, that I feel like, oh, I should go to church, I live in the South, let's go to church, and make you feel better about yourself because you went to church. It's not that either. It is about working together as a community of believers to help expand the kingdom of God. That's what it looks like in the church today. It means being bought in to the vision, the mission and the vision of this church. If this church is your home, it's about being bought into the mission of this church, which is to reach people far from God and to lead people to their next step in a God-first life. That we're doing that together. That we're not just expecting the pastor and the staff to do all that, but we're buying in and we're doing it together. We're all serving this church. We're all in the same exact boat. I get to stand on the stage and you guys listen to me talk but we're all in the same, we're all followers of Jesus. We're all soldiers for Christ. We're all living this life with the light that Jesus has given us to make an impact in the lives of others. Amen. It's about all of us working together in this. It's about reaching our community. And it's not just going to be the church staff. We want so desperately for you guys to have buy-in to that this is about all of us. It's about all of us. It's about our people Catching the vision to be light. That's what it's about. And it's going to look different for all of us. For me, it's preaching and teaching and discipling our, our staff and the people in our life and my kids. That's what it looks like for me. For you, it's going to look different. But it's about catching the vision to be the light that God has called us to be. We have to get out of this mentality that it's the pastor's job and it's the church staff job to be the light. And we just come and let him feed us and we give a little money in the offering and then we go our separate ways. We're, we're all in this together. We're a community of believers together. You know, before COVID, statistically, uh, only 15% of churches in the United States were growing before COVID. 85% were either stagnant or declining. That's an that's a eye-opening number. But what's even worse is that of those 15%, 14 out of the 15%, the growth was transfer growth. It was fish hopping fish tanks. That's all it was. 
1% of churches in the United States were growing because people were coming into the kingdom of God. 1%. Now, that tells me that the church body is not carrying their light. Because the preacher can't, can't be the only one doing it. Can't be doing it. It's got to be us as the body. We have to take this vision. We have to take this, this commission that God has given us to be the light in our communities so that people can come out of the darkness and into the light. This is who we are at New Hope. This is who I am. This is what I'm passionate about. I know this is what Joy's passionate about. This is what the leadership of this church is passionate about, about us being a community of believers that are working together to fulfill the Great Commission. That's what we're passionate about. And we will never, ever apologize for it because that's who we are. We don't, want, we don't want to just fill up this church with people and just have a good time and, and pat ourselves on the back about how good we're doing and how good our music sounds or how good the preaching is or isn't. It's not about that. It's about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to reach our communities. And you will hear that if, you're gonna, if New Hope's going to be your home, you're going to hear that till we're blue in the face, as long as I'm here, because that's what matters to us. I, I, I'm so passionate about us reaching our communities, and I know to a large degree I'm limited because my days are consumed with church work. Sometimes I get jealous because of people that can go out and actually reach their communities in ways and have time in ways that I don't. But that's what you guys are called to do, and that's what we're going to continually equip you guys to do. And we're going to be working towards that. A lot of what you're going to see in the future of this church is, is equipping you and empowering you to be able to do that as we move forward. And we're going to be talking a lot about that in the coming months, because in the fall, we're even looking at starting some, we're going to start moving in that direction. And uh, we love it. And we, we, we love you guys. And we believe in you. That's why we believe in doing this. So I wish that we could all have the heart of the Apostle Paul, because God poured his spirit in him in a powerful way, and he gave his life for the gospel. And, uh, you know, he, he wrote the, the book of Romans. Many people say it's the best letter ever written in the history of letters. And uh, it's, my, it's my favorite book of the Bible. But in Romans 9, he says, he, sh- he shares his heart in a powerful way that just pierces my soul when I read it. Out of Romans 9, he says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race. Wow. Now that is radical. His heart was so for the people that he said, God, I would give up my salvation. I would be condemned to hell for eternity if my people would come to you. I can't even fathom that kind of passion. Now, praise God, that's not how God works. So that's not even possible. But we just get a glimpse of Paul's heart, that he wants so desperately for people to come to know Jesus. Church, if we are not, if we are not burdened, if we are not desperate for people to know Jesus, then we're just going to keep plugging along. We're going to just keep hoping for the best. We're going to hope for the best. When in reality, God says, you don't have to just hope. I've given you the power to be able to make a difference. And that that would be our heart, that we would just so long for the people in our life to know Jesus, that we would give anything that they would come to Jesus. Anything. You know, the end of uh, that verse I read, my text verse, it says, you know, they will see your good deeds and they will praise your Father in heaven. And, uh, you know, this is the first time in the New Testament that God is referred to as a father. And, you know, the Bible is intentional about everything it does. It's not... It wasn't random. And I believe what Jesus is doing here is he's giving us a key even to what it looks like to be light. Because he's telling us that people will, will, will praise our Father in heaven. He's talking about God as a Father. And what he's telling us here is that when you take the light into the darkness, you're not trying to sell something to people. You're not trying to sell them a religion. You're not trying to sell them a set of rules or a behavior modification, or or a church. You're not trying to sell them anything. What you're doing is you are inviting them into a relationship with a perfect father. And everybody, everybody in this world knows that they want a good father. And no matter whether your father was great or whether he was 
less than stellar. He doesn't match up to your heavenly father. And Jesus is saying, I'm telling you here, you can bring this light into these people's lives. You don't have to sell them anything. You're inviting them to come be part of this family that has a perfect father, the father of lights. And every good and perfect gift from him, he's a good father. He knows how to give us good gifts. He's, he's a forgiving father. He's full of grace. He's full of mercy. We have something to invite people into that is better than anything they could ever have outside of it. And we don't have to sell them a bill of goods. We're not doing anything except saying, hey, listen, I got this really great father. I'm in this really cool family. And you're adopted in if you want in. And it's a beautiful thing. He's saying they will see your good deeds and they will praise your father in heaven. You know, the, the great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, he was preaching on this, uh, this verse of being the light. And uh, he had an amazing quote. And I, I wrote it down here because I want to read it. It says, he says, the object of our shining is not that men may see how good we are or even see us at all, but that they may see the grace in us and God in us and cry, what a father these people must have. That's it. That's it. That's the object of our shine. That's why we shine. So people will say, man, the God these people serve, I got to get some of that. I got to be part of that. They won't even see us. We don't shine the light so people can see us better. We shine the light so people can see Jesus. In fact, C.S. Lewis said, don't shine so that others can see you. Shine so that through you, others can see him. That's what we do. And if that's our heart, guys, I promise you, God will meet us in that place. He'll give us opportunity we never thought we had. He'll give us the word. He'll give us discernment to be able to speak into a situation that we never thought we could do on our own. He'll show us how to meet a need that won't just be practical, but God will turn that practical into something spiritual and their lights, their eyes will be opened. The blinders will be taken off if that's our heart. If our motive is to see is that the light shining through us will, leave, will show people Jesus. If we are faithful and submitted and surrendered and willing to step out in faith, trusting him. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? And I'll, I'll close us out in prayer today. Thank you, Jesus. Man, we serve a wonderful God. The incredible privilege that we have of being light. Guys, listen, I know my heart. I know how flawed I am. You guys see the best of me on Sunday mornings but I know how flawed I am. I know how flawed my wife is. I know how flawed my kids are. None of us deserve the light. None of us. But yet God in his mercy says, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna use you. I believe in you. If you don't believe in yourself, that's okay because I believe in you. He believes in us. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to have it all together, but you have the light. If Jesus is in you, if the Holy Spirit is in you, you have the light that can, that can push the darkness out. Which is great, because when we feel inadequate, it's actually better. Because then we're not doing it in our own strength. If I feel like I'm smart enough, if I feel like if I preach just right, everybody's just going to fall in love with Jesus. That's a scary place to be. And trust me, it's never that way. I always feel like I don't know why people even come back. <laughs> so God's good. Amen. Yeah, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. God wants to use you, and you have a light to give. Just receive this prayer today. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. God, thank you that you choose to use us even though we don't deserve it. God, that you put your light in us, though we are flawed, though we are so much less than perfect that you love us anyway. You said, even though you may not believe in yourself, I believe in you. And I'm gonna use you if you'll step out and you'll trust me. God, help us to let your light shine through us. We've received your light in us. Now let us shine through us for your glory, God. For your glory, God. Yeah, just worship him, church. Just worship him today. Just thank him for who he is. Thank you for your light, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are so, so good. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for putting your spirit in us. Lord, thank you for empowering us by your spirit that you didn't send us out as sheep for the slaughter among the wolves, but you put your spirit in us.
so that we can be bold, so that we can tread on scorpions, so that we can pierce the darkness, so we can push out the darkness in our life. God, help us to be light. There are people in each one of our lives that need to experience that light. Let us be that light for them, Jesus. Hallelujah. Work in us and through us, Lord. We are your vessels. We are your vessels, Lord. We are jars of clay that you put your spirit in. Use us, Lord, for your glory. For your glory, God. We praise you. We honor you today. We worship you, Lord. Seal the work you're doing in our hearts today, God. That today would be a landmark day in our lives. That we say, no more will I be an incognito Christian. No more will I hide my faith. No more will I assume that people don't want to hear about you. No more will I, will I squash my testimony for fear of what people might think. But I will share your love that you put in me. I will share, I will invite people to be part of the family that has the perfect father. And that we will let your light shine through us. We, we, we commit to that today, God. We commit to it today, Lord. Lord, we bind the enemy over our lives. We bind him today in the name of Jesus. He has no authority, he has no power. We take back any power we've given him. We repent for believing the lie that the enemy would want to speak to our hearts. We repent, Lord. We will believe your truth, your truth that tells us that we are a city on a hill and that we cannot be hidden and that by our good deeds, people will praise our Father in heaven. We thank you for it today. We thank you that we are all commissioned as your children, as your soldiers in this war against darkness. We honor you today, God, and we love you. We praise your holy and precious name, Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh, praise Jesus for the victory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless you, God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you today. Thank him, church. Thank him, church. Worship the Lord today. Worship you, God. Worship you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Man, he is good. He is good. You are more than you think you are. With his spirit in you, you are more than you think you are. You have more ability than you think you do. How great is it for those of you that have had the opportunity to lead someone to Jesus? It, there's no better feeling in the world. No better feel. I remember all the times that I got to pray somebody through salvation. I remember every one of them. And man, for the rest of the day, there ain't, there, you don't have to walk because you just kind of float. It's beautiful. And I'm no better than any of you. We all got the same Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and he lives in me. Same one. Exact same one. The Spirit that's in you was in that tomb. So he knows what it looks like in there. He knows what it looks like when the stone rolled away. And he knows what it looks like when you walk out. He knows all of it. Amen? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus.